1: Well, welcome everyone. It's so good to see all of you who are here with us in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online, that wherever you are this morning, however you're joining us, and maybe you're watching it later in the week or listening to the podcast, uh, welcome. We we hope you know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. Uh, And it's just a joy, it's an honor for us to be able to be here together this morning. Uh, I want to start off um, our time together just with uh, an acknowledgement and a recognition of all of uh, everyone who mothers, uh, grandmothers, uh, anyone who is a mother figure to someone. Uh, so can we just, uh, can we thank uh, the mothers in our family, in our church family here this morning? And acknowledging, acknowledging that yes, we, we want to, to take that moment to uh, recognize and celebrate moms. But we also know that it would be, we'd be remiss to not recognize that this can also be a very difficult day for many. For some of us, it's a difficult day because um, of of a difficult relationship with our mom. Maybe it's because we're mourning the loss of our mom or mourning the loss of a child as a mom. Recognizing that there's a lot of emotions on days like this. And so my hope and prayer is that as we uh, navigate through our sermon this morning, as we learn about the Holy Spirit, one of the names which we'll learn about is is the idea that God is our comforter, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and encourager. And I hope and pray that wherever you are with the relationship with your mom or as a mom or desiring to be a mom, Wherever you are in that dynamic, that you would be comforted and that you would be encouraged and know that you are deeply loved by our Heavenly Father. And so I'm going to ask that we would start our service, our sermon, with a time of prayer. um, And then we will um, dive into John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 together. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who is part of our service, whether live in person, live online, listening later, or watching later. God, I pray that each person who hears my voice, Lord, knows that they're deeply loved by you. God, that um, that they learn nothing else. If they hear nothing else, may the love that you have for each of us be made so clear to them this morning. Lord, I thank you for all who are celebrating and and acknowledging Mother's Day today. I pray for the moms and grandmas and all the different people who are mothers to people and and pouring into people. God, we thank you for these women. Um, I pray that you would encourage them, help them to feel loved and celebrated today. And pray for all of us as we navigate the different emotions of Mother's Day. Happy, maybe sad, maybe broken, but God, you are our comforter, you are our healer, you are the one who works in us and through us And may you be glorified by the time we have together this morning. I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. We love you, Lord. And it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be in John chapter 14 and 16. We won't read the entirety of those chapters, but we're going to take a look at who the Holy Spirit is and how that, how he impacts our lives. Now, before we start, um, Francis Chan wrote a book called Forgotten God, and it's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the fact that so often when we think about our worship songs, if you could think about songs that are sung about God the Father, we could probably think of several. If you think about Jesus, we could probably think of several. When you think about the Holy Spirit, the song Holy Spirit we just sang is probably one of the first ones that comes to mind. And that's not, that's just an acknowledgement that the study of the Holy Spirit is not as prevalent. And as Francis Chan uses the verb, it's just, he's the forgotten part of God. He's the forgotten part of the triune, the Trinity God. Now, I wonder if you've ever felt this way. Recently, I went to uh, a Padres-Dodgers game um, with some friends who are both Padres fans here in San Diego. Now, for those of you who don't know me um, or don't know my sports affiliation, I love all sports Bay Area. So, you know, I'm like a sheep living, not in Wolves-like territory, because that's when I lived in LA with the Dodgers fans, but you know, I'm just in a different place. But, you know, it's one of those uh, dynamics where like the Padres are doing better than the Giants this year, and so, you know, to be honest, I would like for them to lose and for the Giants to win more often. But when we're playing the Dodgers, this unites me and my friends very well. We're like, boo Dodgers, Dodgers won, it was catastrophic. But um, recognizing that, have you ever been in one of these situations where you're all, you know, you're with a group of people and specifically you're with maybe two other people and We were sitting in a stadium, which we all know—loud stadiums with loud music and people like having a good time—is the best place for deep conversation, right? And so, where I'm in a conversation and I'm sitting on the left side, one of my friends is in the middle, and another one of my friends is on the right. And so, there'll be times when I can like hear them having a conversation, and you're like, "Oh, like what's you know what's going on?" You know, like, "Oh, here's the context." Okay, great. But by like the third inning, you're kind of like, sometimes I'm just kind of on the outside of the conversation. And so, when there's a pause. Then I try to get the guy in the middle to talk to me, right? Like I'm like, no, join my conversation. No, but it's this idea of Have you ever felt kind of left out in a group of three? Maybe some of you go to a uh, you know um, amusement park with rides, and I'm convinced that probably one of the hardest, not the worst, but one of the hardest numbers of people to go to uh, amusement park with rides is like five, because it's like it's if there's things of four, right? If the cars have four, there's one left over. If they're cars of two, it's like two and two and then one's left over. Um, But maybe it's just that idea of if you ever felt like you're that one who's left over, the one who's left out of the conversation, the one who is the same value and the same relationship, and there's nothing that's less than, but it's just left out at times. And obviously that's an imperfect analogy, but it paints the picture of how often we spend so much, rightfully so, time honoring and worshiping God the Father and honoring and worshiping God the Son and Jesus Christ, but then recognizing the importance of honoring and worshiping God, the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What does he do? Why is he here? And how does that impact our lives? And so what I want to do is we are in this series, as we talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, we're in this series in which we are unpacking the Apostles Creed that helps just provide a framework from the very beginning of the Christian faith That was based on scripture, and it points to the basic tenets that Christians have believed since the beginning of time, or the beginning of the relationship with God through Jesus Christ that became Christianity. Now, I want to read it to you to give the context. We spent the first week talking about God the Father, then we spent last week talking about God the Son, and so today we're spending time on the Holy Spirit. But I want to at least read so we can recalibrate and kind of get a, a, a shared context of this ancient document that points us to the importance of who God is in the scripture and what Christians believe. So it says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. And if you were Not with us last week, we unpacked the idea that he descended to hell meant that he went down into the the realm of the dead, but the realm of the dead could not conquer him. And so it's a different word than when we think hell, it's the idea of the grave. And so we unpacked a little bit. If you weren't here, just want to give a little bit of clarity and you can um, listen to the previous message if you want more context. The third day, Jesus, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. We also mentioned, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, the word Catholic has, always, has meant universal. So it's not Catholic versus Protestant. It's just the idea of the universal Christian church. So this is before there was any any division there. It's just the the unified Christian church. So I believe in the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's keep this slide up for a moment because the first paragraph that we just read talked about God the Father. Talked about for a couple sentences. The second section, that was two slides worth, talked about Jesus. Why? Because knowing who Jesus is, and if he is who he says he is, and he's done what he said he's done, is, is the, the dividing line between if you know Jesus and a right relationship with God through Christ or not. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only route to the Father. And so it's important that the bulk of the Apostles' Creed spends time on who Jesus is, what he's done, and how that impacts us. But notice again, even from the very beginning, all the Holy Spirit gets is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, there wasn't as much theology that was unpacking what the Holy Spirit did. Now, if you look back, we don't need to go to the slide, but it does talk about how Jesus was was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is obviously throughout the whole um, dynamic of early faith, but when it comes to the creedal conversation of what is it that Christians have believed and believe about the Holy Spirit. It's simply just an acknowledgement. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? And let's look directly, not just to a a set of guidelines in a creed, but those creedal conversations, the the conversations that are here are all pointing back to scripture. That scripture is the primary way we find out about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and the the dynamic of what we believe. And so we're going to go to who the Holy Spirit is as our advocate according to Jesus' sermon and his conversation with his disciples the night that he was betrayed. Which we see in John 14, and verse, John 14 and also in John 16 specifically. So the first thing we see is him as our advocate. Now the word advocate I want to unpack just for a moment because it's a word in Greek that's paraclete. And we're going to unpack that. Some of you, if you have different versions in your Bible or different versions of the Bible. Some of it will say the Holy Spirit is an advocate. Well, that's the version that we'll see. Some of them will say he's a counselor, he's a guide, he's a helper. And they're usually capitalized there. So it'd be like advocate with a capital A or counselor with a capital C. And the idea is that it's, it's something very specific. It's a title rather than just a, 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 um, just a noun. It's like a proper noun. It's he is this paraclete. So what does that word mean? Because it's not a word that that we have. And one of the translations that that you'll see very often more recently is this idea of an advocate. So as we unpack who the Holy Spirit is and what it looks like for him to be an advocate for us, we're going to look at that here together. Now, let's start off in John chapter 14. And the first dynamic of him as an advocate is that he steps in as a comforter. That the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is with us. Now, I need to you know, start off with the idea that when I think of comforter, especially on like a gloomy day like this, I usually just think of a really warm blanket, right? Like this idea of being able to be comfortable and then when it's cold out and like I don't want to get out. And so sometimes, as Francis Chan talks about, like when our lives are so comfortable, it might seem like why do we need a comforter? So if, for me, if the worst thing of my day, it's, it's not usually the worst thing of my day, but if the worst thing of my day is that I'm getting out of a, of a warm bed, then, and that's my idea of what a comforter is, then it's great. It's nice. But that's not the point of that word. And it's not the point of the Holy Spirit. He's not here to just make us comfortable and feel safe and make sure that everything's just fine. He's here to be a comfort, to comfort us and The the etymology of the word comforter comes from this combined word of of like the great strength. That's where the com prefix comes from with like great intensity and forte, which means strength. So a comforter is someone who comes with us and helps us to have great strength. Someone who strengthens us, someone who gives us the right word at a right time. When you've been struggling and you reach out and there's a friend who just gives you just that piece of advice you needed to hear, Or when you're grieving and that person doesn't say a word, but will just sit with you and be with you. He's a comforter who is with us, who gives us strength, who's with us in the midst of times that are difficult. So here's what we read about the Holy Spirit as our comforter, starting in verse 15. "'If you love me, keep my commands.' Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. See, we'll stop there because Jesus, his name that we read about in Isaiah when it was prophesied who the Messiah would be is that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. And so when Jesus came down as fully God and was fully man and he lived here on earth, he was God with us. But He was only here because he was fully man. He couldn't be with us forever. He was here with us for a season. He was here with us for his lifespan on earth. And then he still prays for us and intercedes for us. And he's still present. But on earth, as a living human being, he was here for a few decades. But the Holy Spirit is an advocate. He's a paraclete. He's a comforter who is here with us to give us strength. And he is the spirit of truth. We continue on in the next in the next part of verse seventeen. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. See picture what 's going on here in the story of John fourteen. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem and there's the big celebration of who he is we recognize that by this time that they've been cr- the crowd was cheering his name and calling for him to be the one say Hosanna God save us saying this is the Messiah blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and yet we know that by this time that Jesus knows what's going to happen to him he knows that the way he becomes king is not by sit, standing on the throne over force, but by laying down his life to sit on the thrones of our, of our hearts. And so by John 13, we see the time when he's washing the feet of the disciples. And Judas leaves and he goes to off to go betray him. But we see that he's washing the feet of his disciples. And then he has a conversation with them. And he shares with them about what's going to happen. And they're trying to understand because he's saying things like, where, you, where I go, you cannot follow me. And you will see me now, but you won't see me for a while. And then you'll see me again. And this doesn't make sense to them. And earlier in John, he talks about how that we are children of God, that, that there's a relationship that now God's people are no longer slaves, but they are friends and co-heirs with Christ. And so this is what happens is Jesus, as he's leaving on the night that he's going to be betrayed, he tells you, I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not forsaken. I am with you. Some of us are currently in seasons or have been in seasons where we feel like God has left us. He's not hearing our prayers or he's not responding to them the way we want him to. We, we think that he's forgotten and he's forsaken. And so then we start to think, well, he's, he can't be a good God if he's not hearing my prayers and he's not doing the things that we want him to do. And so we're in this moment where like the disciples, then Jesus is here and he says, I'm going to leave. And we think, no, you have to stay. You have to be with me. You have to be here but he says that the Holy Spirit's going to come and the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. He's going to give you strength forever. He will comfort you. He will come alongside you. You are not alone. So friends, if you hear nothing else today and you hear that God loves you, and then you also hear the truth that you are not alone and that God has not forgotten you, And that will be hopefully a comfort to you this morning. Now, I do want to acknowledge earlier in that passage, one of the verses we read was the fact that the world cannot see or understand the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is in those of us who know and love Jesus. So it's not, the Holy Spirit is not a, um, it's not something that, or someone that can just be like magically put onto somebody else. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us when we surrender our lives to Jesus. And so that comfort, that strength, that courage, that ability to persevere can come supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those who we know and love who don't have a relationship with him, we see that it's so hard to navigate this world without the comfort of God through the Holy Spirit. So we can help and come alongside, but it's The Holy Spirit who brings that hope, who brings that strength, who brings that comfort. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit or the spirit of truth that it refers to, God's spirit would come upon people for a season and then would leave. He would come on and they would prophesy or God would give some warriors great strength to fight battles in the Old Testament. And the spirit of God would come upon them. But through Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and the sending of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not no longer something that just comes upon people. It's someone who comes to live in us, with us, and in us so closely and intimately. So the Holy Spirit, as our advocate, he's a comforter. He's with us. But not just that. He is also a helper, and he is for us. He's on our side, and he helps us clearly. So we continue this conversation, and, and then all of a sudden, there's a, there's a, a few sections we're going to kind of pass through a little bit, because Jesus and the disciples start having a conversation about how you're not going to see me any longer, but whoever loves me and is, follows my commands is the one who loves me. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, says, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? And talks about, again, anyone who loves Jesus will obey his teaching. And so it's emphasizing, Jesus switches the focus on obeying the teaching of Jesus, and through the Father. So where does the advocate come in? Where does the Holy Spirit come in as our helper when it comes to what Jesus said in living through his teaching? Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Recognizing that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is one who gives us strength. But he's also a helper. He comes alongside. And when we have a relationship with God, when we dive into his word, when we know passages of scripture, and then we're faced with a circumstance and we don't know what to do. Have you had those moments where there's a, a passage or a verse or something that's truth from scripture that comes to mind? It's the Holy Spirit activating God's word in your life. And friends, that can only happen if we take the time to memorize scripture, to be in God's word. Not a cursory glance, but a, a diving into so that we know what God's word says, so that when circumstances come, we have the Holy Spirit as a helper to tell us and to show us truth and what needs to be done and how to follow through with him. Now, when I grew up, um, I think sometimes that word "helper" can feel like it's a like it's a less than word, like it's like it's not as important. But the word "helper" is incredibly important. But growing up, I remember um, I have not been good, still am not good, won't be good at like anything handy, um, like anything with good stuff. So I'm just, I'm not good at those things. Um, When you struggle with Ikea, you just know it's not your giftedness. And so recognizing that, you know, I'm I'm not good at those things, but I remember times when I was with my dad and we would have moments where he's like, hey, can you come help me, um, you know, check the oil in the the car? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I go out there and the dynamic of helping at that time was like, I was the, I was, Able to hold a flashlight like really good. Like I didn't learn how to do something, but it's like here, hold this flashlight, and like I, you know, I would take it seriously. So I'd have the flashlight, and I'd sit there and I go like this, and I'd be thinking like, you know, that's probably not the angle that he needs. And I'd be like, kind of like going over here, and like going like that. I'm like, yeah, much better. It wasn't any better, but that was my idea of like is like the flashlight holder, but not the fellow laborer, not the one who's doing things as well. And so then it could feel like when someone's like, hey, how do you check the oil? And like, I know now, mostly, but recognizing that when someone do that now, you're like, you don't have that same confidence. Why? Because if helper sh- purely means a spectator watching, that's different than being a co-laborer learning and working and doing. So if we think of the Holy Spirit as a spectator just watching our lives, or it's less and then we're completely missing the point because he's not some distant spirit that's just around and he'll, he's the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter who's with us, gives us strength, and then he's our helper. He's there all the time with the verses that remind us what we ought to do and what not we ought not to do. With the encouragement to go, hey, go speak to that person they're hurting. Go encourage that someone. He's not just telling us to be spectators in our walk, but to go in, dive in, know God's word, hear his spirit, hear his voice, and bless others. That the Holy Spirit is a helper. He is for us. He helps us remember what we need to remember. He comes alongside us. He's in us and he gives us peace. That the disciples were about to have a tumultuous 24 hours with the arrest the, the false trial, the beating, the crucifixion, and the death of their Lord. The last thing that they were going to be experiencing on their own without the Holy Spirit would be peace in that day. In fact, we talked about it a few weeks ago on Easter how they were locked inside the room for fear of the Jews. Because they knew they'd be next. Peace was not in their vocabulary. But yet, in the midst of the most tumultuous 24 hours of their lives, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit can give peace. That it's his peace that he leaves with us. That the Holy Spirit is with us. He's our comforter. And he's for us. He's our helper to help us to remember what needs to be said, what needs to be done, and how to live according to Jesus' words. Lastly, the Holy Spirit, as our advocate, is also our counselor. Now, counselor, he is sent to us. So he is with us, he is for us, he is sent to us. Now, the idea of a counselor, um, there's different dynamics. So we're getting ready to, to head off to Hume Lake in a couple of months. And so right now, we're in the process of making sure we know which counselors are the ones that are going to attend. We also um, many I have a friend who is looking for a counselor, so just trying to help that person you know find one near where they lived in order to maybe get some counsel some, um, some wisdom and some encouragement there. Now, I'm someone that's gone to counseling before and, and I know there's some great counselors here in this area. So acknowledging that that is a very important dynamic to unpack with when it comes to emotional and spiritual things that are going on, counseling is awesome and it's great and it's healthy and it's good and there's no stigma for needing counseling. But I want to communicate that in this case, counselor is not what we think of like a licensed marriage and family therapist or a psychologist. A counselor here goes back to the idea of like a legal counselor, like a legal advocate, a lawyer who comes alongside. That that word paraclete that I mentioned earlier, that is the word advocate, it comes from the idea of when you call out for someone to help you. When you call out for someone to be with you, someone who knows what needs to be done, and they are going to fight for you on your behalf or they're going to advocate for you. That they're going to be the wise counsel, but it goes back to a legal dynamic. And why is this important? Because in the very beginning of John 16, so we went through John 14 then there's a break in John 15, and it's not really a break, it's Jesus talking about the vine and the branches, the importance of staying connected and remaining in him. And then this is when we talk about how he says that you are now friends, you are not just slaves, and so he continues this story of saying, the Holy Spirit's coming, you need to stay remaining in me, and then he continues by saying, what's the Holy Spirit going to do when he comes? Because in the beginning of, well, I'll read John 15, the very last couple of verses. It says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So we're starting to hear the words like testify, which point us to the the dynamic or the example of a court of law or a legal counsel or someone who is here for them. And it's not on the screen, but we're going to see in the first few verses here in chapter John 16 that the, 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 there are going to be people who love God, who think that by killing the disciples, they're doing a service to him. Again, it's not on the screen, but it says this in verse one, all this I've told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they've not known the Father or me. And I've told you this, so that when their time comes, you'll remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. So he said, I've been with you. I've been your advocate. I've been your paraclete. I've been the one here during my lifetime. But I'm going back to the Father. So you need someone who will be with you. Verse 6, rather you, or excuse me, Verse 5, none of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. Again, pointing to their emotions, right? He knows they're going to feel like they're left behind, they're forgotten, they're forsaken. Filled with grief at the thought of losing their Lord. And then verse 7, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. This is a fascinating verse, in my opinion, because you ever had that conversation with someone when it said, "If man, if Jesus was just right here with me, like I would know the right thing to do. Or if Jesus was right here with me and I could just talk to him, then I would know that he loves me and that he's with me. If Jesus was right here with me everywhere I go, like if Jesus took the wheel, like if Jesus was here all the time, then I would feel so much more confident in my faith and confident in knowing that I'm not forgotten. And yet, Jesus says it's better for us that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit comes. It is better for his followers, not that Jesus himself stays with them for for every generation forever, but that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. That it's better, even though it feels like it'd be far worse. And he's telling this to his his disciples right before he's about to die. So they're not going to really believe it. But he tells them to predict and say, this is what it's going to be like. People are going to attack you just like they attacked me. People are going to come after you. People are going to think they're doing the right thing by harming you. People think all these things, but they don't know me like you know me. The Holy Spirit isn't in them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes to those who follow Jesus, not just to anyone and everyone. It's we let Jesus in into our hearts and the Holy Spirit moves in and resides there says, I will send him. He, he will not, the advocate will not come to you if I stay. But if I go, I will send him to you. So let's continue on with the next couple of verses. What is the Holy Spirit going to do when he's there? So, verse eight. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And we'll stop there because... That word prove is another word that has to do with a a legal counselor making a case. He will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. That he will show that because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, that the the people who don't follow Jesus have the wrong understanding of sin. That we often think now that sin is just... You know, what's wrong for me isn't wrong for you, or what's right for me doesn't have to be right for you. There's this moral relativism, this idea that it's all relative, what's right and wrong, good and bad. And so the idea comes that, well, you know, that's, that's, that's your truth that that's wrong, but, but here's my truth that it's right. And the thing is, there's, the truth can't be subjective. It's not your truth and my truth, it's the truth. And we find the truth in the word of God. There must be an objective standard of what truth is. Otherwise, truth, as we see in our culture throughout time, without an objective standard of truth, it all can start to fall away and it can all go after. As judges would say, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They did what they thought was right rather than what God says is right. And that's not popular to say. It's not popular to talk, to stand on God's truth, but... What's right is not always popular, and what's popular is not always right. So, the Holy Spirit comes, and he serves as our defense. We call out to him, and he will defend us against, or he will help us to have God's word and defend us against attacks. But then he also, it's like a, like any of those, like, I used to watch um, uh, the lawyer show called The Practice when I was younger. It's an older, like, lawyer show. Um, but, you know, like, every, I, I've been on, uh, on a case as a juror, and it's never as exciting as the TV shows, but the idea of when there's the lawyer who's the defense attorney who will defend the client, but then will cross-examine the different witnesses, right? So the idea is that he's defending us, but then he will go and point to the fact that the world doesn't understand about sin, the world doesn't understand about righteousness because, again, they think everything is right in their own eyes and they live that way. And the world doesn't understand about judgment because we think that you can't judge me and that you can't do these things. But instead, not or instead they miss out on the fact that there is truth. Do we love those around us enough to let them know the truth while doing so in love? It's not loving to hide truth for fear of offending, and it's not loving to sledgehammer truth just so you could stand upon it. Love without truth is not really love, and truth without love is not really truth, as Jim Van Eyepern says. So the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He comes alongside us. He defends us, and then he'll point out to the world what the truth is about sin and judgment and righteousness. So he's someone who advocates for us. He's someone who comes alongside us. Someone who comforts us when we're going through difficult times. To give us strength when we need it most. He's someone who allows us to, he's our helper who comes alongside of us. To help us remember things that we should have remembered. The words that Jesus has said. He's our counselor who is sent for us. To defend us. To come alongside us. To shape us and become, help us to become more like Christ. In his book, Francis Chan, um, the book called Forgotten God, I mentioned earlier, he gives an illustration. And he's talking with his wife one day, and he says, "I wonder what?" Or he was like, "What did he say?" He said, "Have you ever thought about what caterpillars think?" Which we all have, right? I mean, it's Tuesday. We always do that on Tuesdays. Um, but it's decided. Have you ever thought about? She's understandably he says no. And he's like, basically starts unpacking the story. He starts to say, like, "What would it be like that one day?" As a caterpillar, you are just crawling around in the dirt. You're eating a couple leaves. Unless if it's the very hungry caterpillar, and then you eat way too much food. But that's a different story. But you're eating a couple of leaves, and then you go into, you know, like a cocoon or a chrysalis, and it's, you're in a really dark space for a long time. And then all of a sudden, one day, you can't crawl on the ground the same way. One day, you come out of that chrysalis, and you have wings, and you learn... Not just to crawl in the dirt, but learn to fly in the air. He says, I don't want to live a life that can be explained without the Holy Spirit. He says, if the Holy Spirit... He's like, let's give another silly example. He's like, if the Holy Spirit gave me... A supernatural ability to play basketball is the example he uses. Wouldn't you expect that if I was imbued and given power to be able to do something supernaturally that you would see a difference in how I lived and how I played? Because if the Holy Spirit is, says, oh, I gave you the supernatural ability to play basketball and we're just as bad, or ah, I'll speak for myself, I'm just as bad as I was before, then you probably think, well, then either the Holy Spirit has no power or... We're not tapping into the power he's already given us. So those of us who have given our lives to Jesus and we know and we love him, he's the leader and the Lord of our lives. If we look like everybody else around us, if there's no difference in how we live, if the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are just as absent in our lives as our neighbors who don't know Jesus. Either the Holy Spirit isn't as powerful as we think he is, which is not true, or the truth is that we're not tapping into the power he's given us. So Francis Chan says, again, I don't want to live a life as a Christian that could be explained outside of the Holy Spirit I don't want to be crawling around on the ground when I've been created to fly. Friends, the Holy Spirit he's here for us. He's with us. He gives us strength. He comforts us. He gives us words and helps us. He's sent for us to stand on our behalf and to be with us. He loves us and he's fully God. He's not the forgotten God or he's not a less than part of the Trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are the Trinity, the triune God that all have their roles to play and all are vitally important. We can't forget him. And so as we close this morning, I just want to acknowledge that um, some of you, some of us have given our lives to Jesus but we're still living like caterpillars. We're still living the way we've always lived. May we ask the Holy Spirit to not just give us power, but to help us to experience that power to be different, to be shaped and molded more like Jesus. Some of us, we're grieving right now, and we ask the Holy Spirit to give us strength, to be our comforter, to help us in our great time of need. Some of us, we just need help. We just need help to know how to navigate this life and the next season and what's going on. And he's our helper. He can help us remember and he could give us his peace. And then we recognize that he's our counselor. He's the one who comes alongside, who knows the right things, who can speak truth for us, who can stand up for us, who's with us always, that you, friends, are not alone. So when we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That he would flood this place and fill the atmosphere. The truth is, is that He's already here inside of us. We just need to tap into that power that he's given us to live such good lives around the world around us that they would want to know who Jesus is because if that Holy Spirit power is available to others and we live differently enough to point that out, then we're not going to be butterflies walking around in the dirt. We'll be butterflies calling other caterpillars to learn to fly, being transformed by him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person who is here this morning, and I thank you that whether they're here in person, here online, listening later, God, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you have brought each of them here today. Holy Spirit, you know each and every one of our struggles, our our hurts, uh, the wounds that we have or the gaps in our armor that we know we we have weaknesses in. Holy Spirit, you know the power And you have the power in order to help change us to become more like Jesus. Lord, we, Holy Spirit, we ask forgiveness for times that we've forgotten or not spent enough time praying to you, getting to know you, hearing your voice, acknowledging you. Help us to live more according to your power and to bear your fruit in those, in the lives around us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir hearts this morning, that we come together on Mother's Day, and and we know that this is a great day where families come together. Holy Spirit, may you knock, may you seek, may you speak to people here who are part of our service this morning that maybe don't usually come to church or maybe they're they're here because they have plans after with family and that's awesome and we're so glad because we know you brought them here. But Holy Spirit, would you speak in a way that only you can because you know them better than we ever could. And may you call them into the life transforma- transforming relationship that we can have with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening, so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.